0: So the reality is, given the scientific predictions, this summer, with its oppressive and widespread heat waves, is likely to be one of the coolest summers of the rest of our lives.
1: Oh,
2: I see there's gonna be
0: nothing but great news again on the broadcast.
2: Well, don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I'm scared in case I fall off my chair, and i want wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right,
0: here I am
3: stuck in the middle with you. Yep.
2: From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for you on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and... Most of your favorite podcast sites, Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling and, as I said, fantastic news-filled edition (laughs) Of the broadcast, Hi, Desi Doyan. Hey,
0: we don't make the news. We just report the news. There
2: you go. Uh, it, well, and I should say here, okay, it's not all bad. Don't run away just yet. <laughs> uh, so sort of not unlike U.S. Supreme Court uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, who releases the good news opinions First, to sort of help hide the news of the corrupted court's terrible news opinions that comes at the term's end. In my version of that today, uh, the, the the terrible news will come with my guest momentarily. But first, let's start out with some less terrible news. In fact, some uh, at least somewhat brighter accountability news for Team Trump. Which is always fun. The once respected federal prosecutor and mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani, has conceded in a court of law that while acting as a lawyer for then-President Donald J. Trump, he made false statements when he asserted that two election workers in Georgia had mishandled ballots to commit massive election fraud while they were counting votes in Atlanta during the 2020 election, Giuliani admitted to the court in legal filings that his claims were simply false. The concession by Giuliani came in court papers filed on Tuesday night as part of a defamation suit that the two workers, mother and daughter Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss, had brought against him in federal district court in December of 2021 after they had risked their lives. The year prior by valiantly serving their state and their country as poll workers in the middle of the covid pandemic during the 2020 presidential election. The suit accuses Giuliani and others of promoting a video that purported to show Freeman and Moss manipulating ballots and passing thumb drives back and forth evilly. While working at the State Farm Arena for the uh, Fulton County Board of Elections, no, the ballots were in fact not manipulated, and the thumb drive which Giuliani had accused the two African-American women of passing back and forth during the tabulation period, like, quote, vials of heroin or cocaine— in fact, those USB uh, uh, jump drives were actually ginger mints that Moss's mother, Freeman, had kept in her purse. In a two-page declaration, Giuliani acknowledged that he had, in fact, made the statements about Freeman and Moss that led to the filing of the suit and that the remarks, quote, carry meaning that is defamatory per se. He also admitted that his statements were, quote, actionable and, quote, false, And that he no longer disputed the, quote, factual elements of liability. The election workers had uh, raised these factual elements in their suit. However, Giuliani insisted that he still had, quote, legal defenses in this case and that he continued to believe his accusations, again, making false and defamatory statements about the two, as he has admitted and as they would later testify under oath, arguably uh, destroying their lives after these claims were made by Giuliani. Nonetheless, Giuliani claimed that that was constitutionally protected speech under the First Amendment. He also refused to acknowledge that his statements had caused the women any damage whatsoever, which is a key element required to collect a judgment against him in a defamation case. Shea Moss, a longtime Fulton County election worker who, uh, when the county had a difficult uh, time drafting folks to serve as election workers during the pandemic, she had asked her elderly mother to lend a hand in November of 2020. And was, uh, she was asked last year during the bipartisan U.S. House Select Committee hearings on the January 6th insurrection how it felt to be singled out repeatedly With these false claims by no less than the President of the United States and, of course, his attorney, Rudy Giuliani.
1: I felt horrible. I felt like it was all my fault. Like, if I would have never decided to be an elections worker, like, I could have done anything else. But that's what I decided to do. And now, People are lying and spreading rumors and lies and attacking my mom. I'm her only child, and and my kid. It's just um, I felt so bad. I felt bad for my mom, and I felt horrible for picking this job and being the one that always wants to help and always there never missing not one election. I just felt like it was it was my fault for putting my family in this situation.
2: That was Shea Moss uh, a little over a year ago today. She also testified that she was afraid now to even go to places like the grocery store with her mother for fear that her mom would forget and call her out by name. And then she'd be identified publicly, even while facing countless death threats from Trump supporters. Her elderly mother, Ruby Freeman, whose uh, name was constantly invoked by Donald Trump, who described her as a, quote, vote hustler, also testified to the House committee about her experience after all of this and how her life has changed since being falsely targeted and accused uh, after having worked for the in this election and accused of having stolen it in Georgia in 2020.
1: There is nowhere I feel safe. Nowhere. Do you know how it feels to have the President of the United States to target you? The President of the United States is supposed to represent every American. Not to target one. But he targeted me, Lady Ruby. A small business owner, a mother, a proud American citizen who stand up to help Fulton County run an election in the middle of the pandemic.
2: But of course, as Giuliani uh, continues to maintain in the lawsuit, uh, that while he admits he lied about them, those lies caused the two women no harm or damage whatsoever. His admission, in fact, appears part of a ploy to avoid turning over documents in the case. The move could allow him to continue defending himself against the uh, defamation allegations in the civil suit without actually having to hand over a potentially critical batch of records in, uh, in discovery to the two election workers, which encompass his communications during the time when he was, in fact, Uh, committing fraud himself to try and help Trump steal the 2020 presidential election. In fact, earlier this month, U.S. District Judge Beryl Howell uh, for the District of Columbia threatened, quote, severe discovery sanctions against Giuliani over his repeated failure to provide those records to the two women. By no longer disputing the underlying facts of the case, Giuliani is uh, likely hoping to short circuit any further discovery requirements and move straight to legal arguments in the case. It's not clear whether this uh, attempt to avoid complying with discovery will actually succeed.
0: Does Mickey wonder what is in mm-hmm. those documents that he is so afraid of sharing? Don't it, though? Mm-hmm.
2: The uh, former New York City mayor and Trump bagman said that he was making the admission so as to, quote, avoid unnecessary expenses in litigating what he believes to be unnecessary disputes. Filings in the case in recent weeks have suggested both the judge has uh, lost her patience with uh, Giuliani and that the Trump attorney has sought any way to avoid disclosing the contents of the records that Freeman and Moss wish to review. He uh, said in May that he couldn't afford to search for those records. The lawsuit filed by uh, the two women was among the first to be brought by individual election workers who found themselves dragged into this alternate universe of right-wing politicians and media figures who claim that Trump had won the election, that according to the New York Times. The two women had originally sued other defendants, including the One America News Network and some of its top officials, but they ultimately settled the case against everyone else except for Giuliani. The defamation suit is only one of several legal problems that Giuliani now faces, happily, Three weeks ago, a legal ethics committee in Washington said he should be disbarred for his, quote, unparalleled attempts to help Trump steal the 2020 election. And a few weeks earlier, he sat for a voluntary interview with prosecutors who were working for the uh, special counsel, Jack Smith, answering questions about, among other things, the plan to create fake electors, fake pro-Trump electors in key swing states that biden had won in 2020 and he could face charges in a broad state conspiracy investigation led by the district attorney in fulton county georgia into efforts to steal the 2020 election from the voters in the peach state and in other uh trump related grifting and accountability news today A Colorado businessman convicted of fraudulently siphoning hundreds of thousands of dollars from an online fundraiser that raised $25 million to build a piece of wall along the U.S. southern border was sentenced on Tuesday to five years and three months in prison. Timothy Shea was sentenced in Manhattan Federal Court, where his October trial ended with his conviction on charges including conspiracy to commit wire fraud, conspiracy to commit money laundering and obstruction of justice. The 52 year old Shea was also ordered to forfeit one point eight million dollars and to pay restitution of an equal amount. He was charged three years ago, along with three others that included Steve Bannon at the time, the former campaign chair and top advisor to then-President Donald Trump. Trump, however, pardoned Steve Bannon in early 2021, while leaving the two others to plead guilty And to be sentenced to prison, the judge said that Shea and the others not only cheated their own MAGA donors, but also, quote, hurt us all by damaging faith in the country's political system by capitalizing on those who believe that building a wall would help secure the nation's borders somehow. She uh, noted that donors who testified at trial, including a longtime Army veteran and a teacher whose deceased husband had worked as a border agent, mm-hmm. uh, Shea, Bannon, and the others ripped all of them off, claiming that every penny that was given to the effort would go toward building the wall. Instead, millions of dollars from their dupes went into their own pockets. Before the sentence was announced, Shea told the judge that he regretted, quote, all of the we build the wall stuff. Oh, I bet he does now. He asked for leniency, saying his wife and teenage children needed him at home. Well, I guess he will have about five years in prison to think about how he failed his wife and his teenage children by committing fraud to earn a quick buck. In case you feel sorry for Shay, I will just note that he also owns an energy drink company called Winning Energy, whose cans have featured a cartoon superhero image of Trump, and claims to contain quote twelve ounces of liberal tears.
0: Oh my! I'm I you feel know, sorry for him now. I do not, but you know, Steve Bannon is uh, is a millionaire, uh, many, many, mm-hmm. many times millionaire, and I bet he's not going to help out his co-conspirators. Oh, of course
2: not. Why would he? Their uh, their scheme began, of course, after uh, late 2018 when hundreds of thousands of donors poured millions into this scam campaign to build a wall. Earlier this year, Brian Colfage and Andrew Badalotto were sentenced after pleading guilty to charges in the same case. Colfage received four years and three months in prison, while Badalotto was sentenced to three years in prison. The pardoned Steve Bannon remains on the loose, however, though he has already been sentenced himself to more, uh, well, to four months in federal prison for contempt of Congress in refusing to answer two subpoenas from the U.S. House Select Committee investigating the January 6 attack and uh, Team Trump's related efforts to steal the 2020 election. uh, he, He currently remains free. Pending appeal in that case, and he has since been charged, you'll be happy to know, by state prosecutors in New York related to this same Build the Wall scam, the one that the other uh, three now have been sentenced for after uh, stealing millions of dollars from donors. And no president of the United States, I will note, can pardon Steve Bannon for those charges in New York if, in fact, he is found guilty. And just one more here quickly before we take a break and get to my guest and the fantastic news I had promised you with him. (laughs) An Idaho jury has awarded damages against far-right provocateur Eamon Bundy in a defamation suit against him and various other defendants by a local hospital. After surrounding St. Luke's Hospital in Boise, Idaho, in a protest that later led to a trespassing arrest in March of 22, a jury awarded St. Luke's millions of dollars in a defamation suit in which Bundy refused to cooperate. You'll recall Bundy and his father, they came to national uh, wingnut prominence when they had a standoff with federal officials officials at their ranch in Nevada some years ago. Bundy and his buddies would later take over a wildlife preserve uh, for several weeks. Yep. yep. He, he then ran and I believe lost for governor in Idaho unless he's may still be running. I don't know. Now he's lost millions of dollars, at least in theory. At least the jury has ordered him to pay millions of dollars in this defamation suit. Quote, taking legal action is not something we take lightly, but standing up to threats, bullying, intimidation, disruption and self-serving actions of the defendants was necessary, said St. Luke's CEO in a news release. My hope is that you will look at this and you will deter Bundy in a way that he hasn't been deterred yet, said the uh, St. Luke's attorney to the jury on Friday, seeking millions in compensatory damages after Bundy-led protests over a child welfare case involving uh, one of the protesters' grandchildren. The suit said that the defendants had posted multiple lies online about the hospital system and about its employees And the reasons that the baby was actually taken into custody, the defendants, through videos and blog posts, had spread lies that the hospital was working with the government to take children away from Christian families to be sexually abused and given to gay couples. Yes. A uh, a number of health professionals had testified during the trial that they had treated this baby, uh, the one in question, for severe malnutrition and that he was in dire need of care. Uh, One of the uh, emergency room doctors said, quote, in my opinion, if he had been allowed to go home with his parents and continue on the trajectory, he would have died. In the end, the protesters were hit very hard monetarily for some $26.5 million in compensatory damages and $26 million in punitive damages. Bundy was found personally liable for, uh, by the jury for uh, more than $6 million in compensatory damages and more than $6 million in punitive damages. His Bundy for governor campaign was also found liable for more than three million dollars in total, though good luck getting any of that right wing scofflaws money, getting him to cough up any of it. St. Luke's release uh, uh, press release said that any monetary damages collected for the health system would, in fact, be donated to St. Luke's Children at Risk Evaluation Services. So there you go. Some I guess not terrible news to uh, hopefully distract you (laughs) from our from our next segment on, well, the climate and the record smashing summer that we're now having, which I will note as bad and as hot as it is in many places around the globe. Uh, Well, here was uh, Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo last year, last year. In fact, one year ago today, discussing the launch of the heat.gov resource site at the time during a heat wave that was, in fact, cooler than what the globe is facing this year.
0: So the reality is, given the scientific predictions, this summer, with its oppressive and widespread heat waves, is likely to be one of the coolest summers of the rest of our lives
2: see told you nothing but fantastic <laughs> news for you today more on that fantastic news is next with longtime meteorologist guy the climate guy walton that's next on the broadcast. i'm brad friedman
0: Hey, this is Desi. The Bradcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by Bradblog.com slash donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's Bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks.
2: Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. The excellent Seth Borenstein at AP reports today that the water temperature around the tip of Florida has hit triple digits. Literal hot tub levels. Two days in a row now, as a matter of fact, with meteorologists saying that it could be the hottest seawater ever measured. Scientists are already seeing devastating effects from prolonged hot water surrounding Florida. Coral bleaching and even the death of some corals in what had been one of the Florida Keys most resilient reefs. Climate change, thanks to the prolonged burning of fossil fuels by humans, has set temperature records across the globe this month the warmer water as we have reported as well on this show is also fuel for hurricanes the buoy at florida's manatee bay hit 101.1 degrees fahrenheit that's 38.4 degrees celsius for those playing along in europe uh, it hit that on Monday evening, according to the National Weather Service, and that uh, the night before, that same buoy showed an online reading of 100.2 degrees Fahrenheit. Quote, this is a hot tub said Yale Climate Connection meteorologist Jeff Masters. Quote, I like my hot tub around 100 or 101 degrees Fahrenheit. That's what was recorded yesterday, he said, in the waters off Florida. If verified, the Monday reading would be nearly one and a half degrees Fahrenheit higher than what is regarded as the prior record for seawater set in the waters off of Kuwait just three summers ago in that case. The, uh, the, the temperature was 99.7 degrees. Masters said, quote, "...we have never seen a record-breaking event like this before." The consequences for the sea corals, of course, are serious. NOAA researchers, uh, who uh, Andrew Ibarra, one who took his kayak out to the area, said, quote, found the entire reef was bleached out. Every single coral colony was exhibiting some form of paling, partial bleaching or full out bleaching. Some coral even had died, he said. Until the 1980s, coral bleaching was almost unheard of. But uh, he says now we have reached the point where it's become routine bleaching, which does not kill the coral, but weakens it and can lead to death occurs when water temperatures exceed the upper 80s. Water temperatures have been in the upper 90s in that area now for more than two weeks. This all comes as sea surface temperatures worldwide have broken monthly records for heat in April and in May and in June, according to NOAA, and almost certainly in July. And temperatures, meanwhile, in the North Atlantic are currently off the charts as well, as much as 9 to 11 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 5 to 6 degrees Celsius, warmer than normal in some spots. And why does all of that matter? Well, aside from the supercharged hurricanes that we are seeing more and more of each year now, here's just one other reason uh, to be concerned about. As CNN reports today, a vital system of ocean currents, could collapse within a few decades if the world continues to pump out planet heating pollution. That's the warning from scientists, and they say the event would be catastrophic for global weather and, quote, would affect every person on the planet. Well, that seems noteworthy. A new study published on Tuesday in the journal Nature found that the Atlantic meridional overturning current Known as AMOC, uh, of which the Gulf Stream is a part, could in fact collapse around the middle of this century. This century. Well, that sounds bad, but it's even worse. It could occur, uh, according to scientists involved in this study, as early as 2025. That would be the year after next, if my math is correct. That seems unlikely, but as data has revealed, scientists have been in many cases quite conservative conservatively lowballing some of the worst effects of climate change for many years now. Scientists uninvolved with that particular study told CNN that the exact tipping point for the critical system is uncertain and that measurements of the currents have so far showed little change. But they agreed that these results from this study are alarming and provide new evidence that the tipping point could occur sooner than previously thought. The AMOC is a complex tangle of currents that work like a giant global conveyor belt, transports warm water from the tropics toward the North Atlantic, where the water cools, becomes saltier, sinks deeper into the ocean, and spreads back southwards. It plays a crucial role in the climate system. It regulates global weather patterns. It's collapse would have enormous implications, including much more extreme winters and sea level rises affecting parts of Europe and the U.S. and a shifting of the monsoon in the tropics. As the ocean heats up and ice melts, more fresh water flows into the ocean and reduces the water's density, making it less able to sink. When waters become too fresh, too warm, or both, then the conveyor belt Stops. And it has, in fact, happened before, though for other reasons. More than 12,000 years ago, rapid glacier melt caused the AMOC to shut down, leading to huge northern hemisphere temperature fluctuations of up to 27 degrees Fahrenheit within one decade. A shutdown, said one of the scientists not involved in the study, quote, would affect every person on the planet. It is that big and that important. It's really scary. One of the report's authors told CNN, this is not something you would lightly put into papers, he said, adding, we are confident that this is a robust result. Of course, the report calls for fast and effective measures to cut planet heating pollution to zero in order to reduce global temperatures and slow melting in the Arctic. Quote, the key point of this study is that we don't have much time to do this. That's according to Peter de Menosal, the president of the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution, who was not involved in the study, but said, quote, the stakes just got higher. As heat records, wildfire records, flooding records have tumbled across the globe in recent weeks and months, our own Desi Doyen, uh, who has been chronicling many of these broken records, Like a broken record Uh, on our Green News report, she recently described the summer of 2023 as breaking records for record breaking. Well, it certainly does seem like it, given that world meteorological organizations have recently declared, for example, June to be the hottest June ever recorded on the planet, with July now on track for the same that, after at least seven days over this past month, have been the hottest ever recorded on planet Earth since record-keeping began. Add to that thousands of wildfires across the globe, persistent flooding across the Northern Hemisphere, as entire seasons' worth of rain have fallen in just a day in some locations, from the U.S. Northeast to Europe. And a new analysis issued by Scientists Now on Tuesday... Found that some of the extreme temperatures recorded in the southwestern U.S., southern Europe, and northern Mexico at the beginning of the month would have been, quote, virtually impossible without the influence of human caused climate change, as hundreds of millions of people in North America, in Europe, In Asia, have been sweltering under intense heat waves in recent weeks. And, for example, a heat wave in China that researchers found was made 50 times as likely by climate change. In the U.S., temperatures in Phoenix have reached 110 degrees Fahrenheit, more than 20 days in a row now. That, as the National Weather Service in Phoenix on Tuesday tweeted that the high there had ticked up to 119 degrees for the third time this year. While it was only the fifth occurrence on record of that happening in Phoenix, that means it has happened five times ever, and three of them have been this year. Many places in southern Europe as well are experiencing record-breaking triple-digit heat, and a remote township in China hit 126 degrees, breaking the national record there. The new analysis from the World Weather Attribution Organization on Tuesday also found that, in fact, such heat waves will now happen much more frequently, pretty much everywhere, thanks to our global climate crisis. Joining us now is a man who has for years been tracking all of these records across the globe and many more each day at his website, GuyOnClimate.com. It's our old friend, meteorologist Guy Walton. He is known to uh, many who may either love or hate him as the climate guy. He is a 30-year Weather Channel veteran and the author of what is now a trilogy of delightfully snarky, illustrated children's books called The World of Thermo. Guy Walton, welcome back to the Bradcast, my friend. Well,
1: thank you for having me, Brad. Brad. Uh- on that introduction you really did your homework for today well uh it's
2: it's hard not to i mean you know it seems like we're smashing records guy in fact for record breaking as desi put it uh this summer but as someone who's been following these records across the globe for years are we actually smashing more records than usual or does it just seem like that uh this summer
1: well i do think we are Matching more records than usual, except for the United States. Uh, globally, um, there have been more. The only thing I'll have to add as is, is mm-hmm. another record is that I have no doubt that July of 2023 will go down uh, when the figures get computed mm-hmm. as the warmest month in recorded history. Not just the warmest July, mm-hmm. but the warmest month ever. Mm-hmm. So that, that's going to happen soon.
2: For, uh, for someone like you, Guy, uh, who, who sort of covers these things every day, yes, even in winter when uh, heat records and precipitation records are broken, are you surprised by what we are seeing in the summer of 2023? Or is this uh, pretty much what you and other climate scientists have been predicting for so long?
1: Well, uh, I'm not shocked. Some of the records are surprising. Uh, for example... That warm water temperature down near Miami Mm -hmm. of uh, over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, didn't think I'd live to see something like that. Mm. But we do know uh, that in the Earth's distant past, water temperatures were actually even a lot warmer uh, worldwide than 100 degrees Fahrenheit.
2: Well, it sounds like that. May be happening again. I, I why did it happen in the past? When you say d- the past is not within the past few decades, this is before humans were on Earth, correct?
1: Oh, that's 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 correct. Uh, way back during uh, in the last few few million years, mm-hmm. million years, yes.
2: Now, I I mentioned that um, during the intro that climate scientists tend to be, in fact, quite conservative. That may be something that comes as a surprise to. Uh, uh, many of the uh, your right-wing climate denier fans out there, Guy. But is that, in fact, is that true as you see it? Because it sure seems like every day, you know, we hear about another story where scientists say, oh, things are getting much worse, faster than uh, we had predicted previously. Is that my imagination? Or uh, am I right about sort of the conservative nature of these scientists?
1: Well, there is uh, somewhat of a... Uh conservative nature to them. Um, the uh, disappearance of the Arctic sea ice, for example, was uh, not predicted until about the year 2050,
0: mm-hmm.
1: about 20 years ago, and now it's going to be more like about 2030, 2040. Mm-hmm. So uh, the time frame for these uh, occurrences uh, happening is being uh, pulled up somewhat. Although uh, most scientists, like Dr. Michael Mann, think that uh, there's still a really good chance for us getting, uh, if we if we can get our uh, climate house in order or our our greenhouse gas emission mm-hmm. uh, house in order, for us to staying below uh, that recommended one point or actually two point zero degrees Celsius mm-hmm. um, below pre-industrial conditions.
2: Yeah, I know. And uh, of course, Dr. Mann is a a very good friend of ours and of this show, and I sometimes refer to him as the most optimistic man on the globe that he thinks we can still overcome this thing or at least uh, avoid the worst uh, of the effects to come. I hope he's right uh, about, you know, the fact that we can even do that at this point if we try. Uh, Our ability to try, at least in this country, is certainly hampered by uh, so many of these uh, right wingers that I kind of want to talk to you about. But before we get there, I I believe in the spirit of the uh, the, sort of the Weather Channel uh, deciding some years ago to name winter storms, akin to the way that uh, tropical storms and hurricanes have been named for years. And I understand it's somewhat controversial that they're naming those winter storms. But in that spirit, Guy Walton, you have taken to naming summer heat waves, but with a bit of a twist and uh, I guess a special nod to our climate crisis. Tell me about that, Guy.
1: Okay. Well, um, all a major heat wave is, it's, it's a huge column of hot air, can sprawl and grow across the continent
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of like Trump no, <laughs> okay. <I> <laughs> <laughs> Well anyway most and most everyone remembers the names of Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane Andrew that killed with, uh, were, were a big killing mother events. Mm-hmm. But for example, uh, people don't remember the heat wave of 2012 even though it killed many and its part is part of more recent history than either Katrina or Andrew, Mm -hmm. because it just didn't have a name. Mm. So uh, since we follow cyclones or counterclockwise systems that are are like uh, Hurricane uh, Katrina and Hurricane Andrew in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, those can be followed. But heat waves are actually, like I said, big sprawling mounds of of hot air Mm -hmm. that actually do have a center, and those can be followed as well. So they are entities under themselves, and therefore I think that once scientists agree upon certain criteria, those can have a name and be followed also.
2: Well, the uh, naming system that you have suggested, Guy, is not, you know, Arnold, Bob, Charlie, uh, David. Uh, You're actually naming them after uh, fossil fuel companies?
1: Oh, yes, sir. That is my method for killing two proverbial... (laughs) <laughs> birds with one stone, uh-huh. and that's also to uh, identify major heat waves for the public so uh-huh. that they can take precautions, but also to assess blame, because as you noted, there was an attribution study that determined roughly how much hotter the 2023 heat dome would have been mm-hmm. than it had occurred during a cooler period,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and yes, uh, heat waves are getting worse. They've always been with us. They've been getting worse because of greenhouse gas emissions, and mainly from fossil fuel companies who are to be blamed. And
2: so the heat wave we've been going through uh, now, I think, in the Southwest, uh, you have named Heat Wave Chevron. Am am I remembering that correctly?
1: That's that's, that's correct. That's the third one from this year. The first one, uh, Amoco, actually started in the Pacific Northwest and then went up into Canada and can be blamed for uh, the many forest fires that yep. have choked cities down to the south in the United States during the summer.
0: Mm-hmm. And the
1: second one was one that occurred over the south-central states and down through Mexico. Those are both ranked as spores. And the uh, now the heat wave that's falling across the country that's been with us for most of the summer, and that is Chevron. And I believe the name escapes me, but in the naming system, there's also been one that I would rank as a five that is not named for a, a fossil fuel company, but has just sprawled across southern Europe and has created all those fires in Greece.
2: I hope that you will uh, find an excuse to uh, name one of those uh, heat waves, um, heat wave Fox News. But, uh, Guy, uh, over the weekend, (laughs) I I, I believe it was, uh, you posted what seemed to me to be a pretty non-controversial map on your Twitter account at ClimateGuyW, uh, showing the uh, probable percentage across the country that that various parts of the nation would see higher than normal heat uh, in the coming week. In fact, this week with pretty much most of the entire country blanketed in red and deep red, signifying anywhere from a 70 to 90% chance that uh, the heat would be above normal this week in those areas. Well, I made the mistake of uh, retweeting that map which was only a mistake because it meant that you and I both were then inundated by folks using hashtag climate scam insisting that your map showed nothing but, uh, oh, just summertime across the U.S., Um, with the entire map blanketed in red. Oh, that's just normal summer heat. In fact, it was the probability that those areas would be higher temperatures than normal. Would you like to respond to any of those super geniuses who are apparently uh, not just climate deniers, but unable to understand actual maps and charts and yet are still bombarding both of us to this day guy with uh, hate tweets, etc.?
1: Well, I find that a large number of climate deniers actually failed their science classes when they were going to high school, <laughs> uh, I would think, because they can't read charts. They don't really understand what is represented by very simple graphics. Uh-huh. And that chart was just showing the, the uh, probability of above or below average temperatures for that particular Mm -hmm. point in time of the year, and that's all it was.
2: And, and the problem is, if you respond to them, it just leads to more and more and more of these uh, 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 tweets in response from these knuckleheads, these yutzes who can't read these, uh, these maps. I had sort of, it, it was sort of occurred to me there was sort of a, a, a mind-numbing reemergence, at least in my eyes, of this, of the, you know, hashtag climate scam denier folks. It feels kind of like the 2000s all over again. I thought these folks had gone away as the climate crisis has become so much more obvious to everyone by the day, but uh, maybe they never did. Maybe they never went away. They just failed to show up in my uh, Twitter timeline. Uh, you know, has there been any change? As someone who you know tweets on this every day, and I'm sure hears from those folks every day, has there been any change in your perception? about how the you know the, these fossil fuel scammed dopes uh are perceiving this do they remain in the same misinformation bubble that they have always been in or or are we seeing fewer and fewer of these deniers uh
1: some of them will never go away but uh looking at polls there are less of them because more and more people gradually uh are wanting change mm-hmm. and they're voting for change,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I do believe that there have been less, they are less now, percentage-wise, than uh, there were, say, during the decade of the Audis. Mm-hmm. But they'll never go away. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, what the, the, the few of them remain will never go away. So yeah. there you go.
2: And apparently, they're all following you on Twitter, Guy. Uh, before, <laughs> before we well, go, well, yeah.
1: well Doctor Doctor Dr. Michael Mann suggests that on Twitter. Is that a you don't respond to them mm-hmm. so that they'll have less of a voice? Then b you uh, mute them, mm. and then c you block them. Mm. So that's his advice.
2: Now you tell me, and I take it. Now you tell me. Now after, I tell you. But I'm that, inundated. Do yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. hey, before you go, uh, guy, I, I I believe you have recently published your third installment in the world of thermo illustrated children's books on uh, on global warming with your main character thermo an anthropomorphic thermometer the first in the series of course is world of thermo thermometer rising the second world of thermo carbonated now the third which I haven't read but it's called world of thermo grim reaping and based on its cover And its title, it appears to be a bit darker than the the first two, which were uh, pretty light, if uh, snarky. Am am I correct that that third uh, chapter is a bit darker? And is it meant for kids of the same age as the other two?
1: Yes, sir. It is much darker. Uh, It is meant for the kids growing up, uh, maybe reading the first two books. The the age I'm uh, looking to reach is about Mm -hmm. age 12 for these. Mm-hmm. And uh we do see that the world, uh, even starting now, starts to get uh baked and uh <laughs> the population does die out during the during the third book. Mm. But at the very end we do see the population of the world coming out of the darkness and uh humanity being saved. But we just in the real world, we just don't know if that's going to happen, even though I, I can see um, both doomers and I can see both people like Dr. Catherine Hayhoe and Dr. Mann saying mm-hmm. that uh, there's still hope left.
2: Uh, I hope they are right uh, and your third book is wrong. Well, your third book has a happy ending, so I hope it's right, too. It, it, but It, uh,
1: it, 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 it does. Yep. And uh, one a little word about World of Thermo. Mm-hmm. Proceeds or all my royalties from the ticket book, World of Thermocarbonated, will be going to an organization called Susty Vibes, and mm-hmm. they are a uh, youth climate organization out of Africa.
2: Very nice. Thank you, Guy Walton, Guy the Climate Guy Walton. Uh, find uh, his work, his important work, and those books at GuyOnClimate.com and on the Twitters at ClimateGuyW. Thanks, Guy. Thanks so much, Brad. Okay. Um, You know, I
0: have to just jump in. Um, We're talking about climate science deniers on social media. It has been my experience that they absolutely do understand and (laughs) can read maps and graphs. Really? Yeah, and they're just lying. They're just lying or in, or bots but, or paid saying, people in service of trying to support the fossil fuel industry and stop climate action.
2: By saying that they're uh, smart enough to read those charts and that they're just mm-hmm. lying, I actually think you're giving them too much credit. I, I think they are liars, uh, but I really don't know if they can read these things or if they even bother to is
0: is really the mm, issue. All right. Well, you're giving them a lot more credit than I do.
2: I know. We're both over-crediting the <laughs> deniers. Anyway, uh, let's take a quick break here. We'll come back with some listener mail and a quick follow-up to one of our actually climate-related shows from last week. That's next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. <laughs> and thanks. Welcome back to the, the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. In response to my interview last week with e e Climate Impacts journalist Thomas Frank, uh, regarding the home insurance crisis now rippling through Florida, as major insurance companies continue to exit the Sunshine State, which I call Flexit, (laughs) that thanks to the costs of climate change that are ravaging the state, led by climate change denier Ron DeSantis. Well, we discussed uh, Florida as sort of a canary in the coal mine for other states, particularly those facing rising seawaters and uh, worsening uh, hurricanes and, and storms, and the fact that, if you can't get insurance for your house, you're also going to have problems getting a mortgage for your new house. So this insurance crisis could soon become a housing industry crisis in Florida and those other states as well. Uh, In response to that show, uh, writes Florida resident Nancy Jones in Delhi Coast comments in response to that interview, quote, my insurance tripled in four years. Then they sent me a notice saying that they are dropping me she says this is happening all over florida fortunately i have a mortgage situation that not having insurance is not going to lead to foreclosure but i'm super lucky with that the insurance situation in florida is fixing to cause we'll say boatloads of homelessness down where uh, down here where i live with predators scooping up foreclosed properties at rock bottom prices and then renting them out at the highest price that the desperate market can bear. She says, yep, it's a canary in the coal mine for sure. I wish people would pay attention. Wendy, commenting over at bradblog.com, says, Hi, Brad, just heard your informative interview with Thomas Frank about insurance in Florida. You might enjoy this bracing video in which a smart man in a bow tie tells a bunch of rich investors why Florida's economy is doomed. Hint, it's climate change. The relevant part starts around 10 minutes in. If you have time for a listen, thanks for all you do, Wendy. Thank you, Wendy. So she includes a link to remarks by a bow-tied guy named Spencer Glendon. A climate researcher and an investment guy who is speaking at a 2019 investment conference sponsored by the Soane Institute and CNBC. As you'll hear, the warnings back in 2019 about Florida insurance and the fact that their insurance crisis could soon, in fact, become a mortgage crisis. Because if you can't get insurance, you can't get a mortgage in most cases in the great state of Florida. Well, these have been sounded by the investment folks for a number of years now, no matter how many folks are out there denying climate change.
3: You see, the ocean is hotter, which means it has more energy and the atmosphere is warmer, which means it holds more water. So storms can be more powerful and dump way, way more rain. Unfortunately, the ocean isn't Florida's only problem. Because the other thing that's gonna happen, there's been a lot of talk on the periphery anyway about flooding, but we need to focus just on heat. Heat itself is a severe problem and it is moving rapidly. And this is gonna be a problem for Florida. So the National Weather Service defines the danger zone as being above 96 degrees Fahrenheit and 40% relative humidity. You, You know that temperature in Manhattan. It's those days when you just can't bear to go outside. Now most of Florida will pass these levels three months a year. This is a map of Florida or the United States and it shows how often days will be in the danger zone in the 2040s. And so for Florida, it's sort of 90 days a year on average. If you wanna understand what that means, it means Disney World will be closed because it won't be safe to take children there and it certainly won't be safe to be in a fuzzy suit. Now, Florida's economy, you may still think it's 2040, it's a ways off. The problem is Florida's economy is built on 30-year debt. There are lots of people putting long-term money to work in Florida. And that long-term debt is underwritten by annual insurance. The condition of having a mortgage is that you have insurance, but while the mortgage people offered you 30, the insurance people only offer you one. And they've made no commitment to do do that further out. And we're doing work that shows there will be no insurance in lots of Florida quite soon. You shouldn't be lending now. And as Florida gets wetter and saltier and hotter and more volatile, insurance markets will dry up. It's already foolish to lend money for 30 years from municipal bonds and for mortgages. So when will Florida's economy fall apart? People talk about when it will be underwater. No, no, it's not when it will be underwater. It's when people stop lending 30-year money. And when that happens, everything will go with it. Because I spend my time now thinking about the weaknesses in society, the vulnerabilities that come from the assumptions we've made about climate. Everybody in Florida assumes that population graph will keep rising. Every city assumes 30% population growth. And they all assume it will stay super nice. And they don't charge income tax. It's a climate liability. They are utterly dependent on real estate. When real estate even slows in Florida, the economy will go to hell. When will this happen? It could happen tomorrow. As soon as people stop lending for 30 years, as soon as Moody starts asking about municipal bond financing, it could be in big trouble quickly.
2: And, of course, that was back in 2019, Spencer yes. Glendon. Thanks again to Wendy uh, in comments at bradblog.com for pointing that out. Yeah,
0: I would highly recommend watching that video. It's only about 16 minutes long, and it has it's chock full of information about uh, the kinds of projections that uh, financiers mm-hmm. and investment folks like Spencer Glendon have, uh, have discovered and are trying to warn people about.
2: I will post a link to that full video uh, when I post today's show at brandblog.com. But, you know, this notion, we were talking with Guy Walden about these these denier wingnuts on Twitter, you know, claiming that, oh, these scientists are all just a bunch of liberals trying to do away with... (laughs) Grifters. uh, They're uh, making money off
0: of this, which is nonsense.
2: Uh, Right. In fact, uh, what they're trying to do is keep a whole bunch of people from losing a whole bunch of money on this as this gets worse and worse and worse.
0: Yes, it's a big hit to the economy. All of these extreme weather events that we're having, heat waves, the floods, the fires, everything. I mean, our infrastructure was designed for the climate of the 1950s and 1960s, not for what we're seeing today. The same thing with real estate. Um, And when these uh, major sectors like real estate and tourism collapse there's going to be some big problems up ahead
2: and it's already collapsing in in florida when it comes to the insurance market yep. uh, you know rates are through the roof and that's happening elsewhere around the country as well it's not just florida and flooding as we discussed with thomas frank it's also right. you know california and wildfires and a whole bunch of other states running into the same problem so buckle up buckle up indeed uh this is not a drill All right, we got to get out. My thanks again to The Climate Guy, Guy Walton, and to my producer, Desi Doyne, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. As we told you, it was going to be nothing but good (laughs) news today. If you missed any portion of that good news, you can download today's show or any other for free anytime at bradblog.com. That is made possible by those of you generous enough, and thank you for it, for uh, hitting one of those donate buttons at bradblog.com or just going straight to bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks, Twitters, formerly known as Twitters, and Mastodons, I am the Brad Blog. We will see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman good luck world.